0: Okay, welcome to episode two of Coach's Corner. Um, Graeme and Simon are here again, and this week we're here to talk about form, um, whatever that means. So, because I'm not entirely sure what it means, I'm going to shut up and hand over to Grayman and Simon. So, evening, chaps. Mark. Mark evening, Simon.
1: Um, well, I've just opened all the photographs on Facebook that people posted last week. And there's one that says here. Here's me doing the Charleston. Yeah,
0: yeah, I thought you'd like
1: that. No. <laughs> Somebody wearing a blue t-shirt and a white a white baseball cap.
0: Yeah,
1: um, I have to say it's probably better than most of my form most of the time. Um, so yeah, um, what do you think, Simon? What we, when we went on our coaching course, and they focused on form quite a lot, and um, a lot of what we had to do was. Uh, try and break down the various issues with with people and then try and sort of isolate things for people to work on. We did that by, uh, I think Simon mentioned in the last podcast, we did that by getting up early and videoing ourselves and then laughing at the videos, then despairing, and then uh, taking it from there. Um, And just the videoing was really interesting, wasn't it, Simon?
2: Yeah, I I think... The single best thing in terms of improving your running you'll ever do is getting somebody to video or setting up a camera and running past it and videoing yourself from both sides, from the front and from the back, and just have a look. I think both Graham and I probably thought we had reasonable form, you know, not the greatest, but okay. But we did a bit on the track, a few kind of faster intervals. And then we went down the seafront and went up and down water slope and a little bit across the beach. And I think it's safe to say, you know, equally as awful as each other in, in different ways. But
1: I, I, think, I think Quasimodo turns out yeah. to be one of my relatives, frankly. Um, I was that hunched. Yeah, and in part of that, as Simon sort of implied, we ran at different paces as well. So you had your kind of relaxed pace, you had your fast pace, um, and, all, and it was running up the slope, and it was running down the slope as well, wasn't it, Simon? Yeah. And it was, just, it was just really revealing. Um,
0: what did it reveal? <laughs>
1: yes. where do you want to start <laughs>
2: yeah. I think Go on, different things with... Go Graham's I suppose looking at the, between the two of us Graham's form on the flat was far better than mine um, Graham's a more upright runner than I am or was I've worked on mine a lot Graham has a better arm drive than I do so on the track when we were doing I think we are doing 400s and just kind of Yeah, trying we were, to yeah. Um, I thought I had quite a good arm drive but during the coaching course we did, and also on the, the session when we filmed each other, it was quite clear that I, I drive my arms from my elbows and not from my shoulders. So there's very little movement up in my shoulder. It all comes from the elbow. So Graham on the flat was was far better than me. I think when we got to the hills, I was better going downhill than Graham. Graham kind of locks his legs, locks his quads. Graham I was,
0: just shambles. So. Talk to me a bit about what good form is then. I mean, there's lots to talk about how terrible we all are, but what's good form? I think you can probably, if you
1: break it down bit by bit, going from the top, I mean, the first thing, and I think we've probably said this in sessions, I know it's come up on uh, various Facebook pages and in Simon's recent blog, the idea of trying to run tall.
0: Hmm.
1: You know, trying to run tall, trying to keep that head up. The idea of a, a piece of string pulling you up, you know, yeah. That sort of that sort of idea. Trying to run tall, but without really tensing your shoulders. So lots of this it takes quite a lot of thinking about. It's sort of how to run tall, but keep your shoulders relaxed. And then I guess in keeping your shoulders relatively relaxed, one of the ways of doing that is, is as Simon says, you need arm drive, but you need to keep your hands not. See, this is a podcast. Nobody can see what I'm doing here. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm clenching clenching my fists. You don't want to clench your fists. You want to kind of keep your your hands relaxed and open because that relaxes your arms into your shoulders. So that would be a starting point.
0: It's hard to relax. And then, well, no, I can only speak for myself. But if I'm trying to run fast, not sprint, but just pick it up a bit, I find it that that immediately feels the, the opposite of relaxed. Not necessarily tense, but yeah, it's harder to, to make I me, mean, just because I'm not very good at it, but I, I, I find that hard to f- flow, I suppose. I, I mean, is that what you're sp- aspiring to, just to make sure it feels a bit more flowing?
2: Yeah, I guess- you're, yeah. Yeah, yeah, go on, Simon. Mean, the flowing kind of natural movement is, is what you're aiming for. Um, as graham says i think if you google this you know if you start going on youtube and you start looking on runner's world or you start buying books and reading books on this the amount of information out there is just you know it's it's daunting it's all about your mid strike and your your arm drive and what i think one of the easiest things to to say which graham just said there is, is the run tall um one of the things they said, like Graham said, is a bit of string lifting you. Mm. The one I always use is try and imagine someone's just picking you up very gently by the top of your head. Yeah. So you yeah. Drop, your whole body drops into a line underneath your head, underneath your shoulders. Your hips are in line with your shoulders. Your knees are in line with your hips. Everything just feels loose. And when you run, you basically want your feet. It's kind of like the road runner style of running. You want your feet to cycle underneath your body and just mm. gently brush the floor, brush the floor, minimal ground contact, and just keep going. It it's easier said than done, mm. but the step for most people is run tall. Just get yeah, get your head up, get your eyes on the horizon. Stop staring down at the floor. Um, one of the things I was actually listening to another podcast this morning. Um, one of the guys on there was saying, imagine. <laughs> Got a, a
0: line podcast.
2: Sorry, another podcast, yeah, about running as well.
1: He's <laughs> we he just stealing about, ideas here.
2: <laughs> he was talking about an imaginary line that runs from, from your belly button up through your chest, underneath your chin, and out the top of your head. Right. He said, Imagine you're trying to extend that line as long as you can and have a slight bow in it. So just lift your head. Your shoulders will naturally drop and yet your hips will come underneath your body. And that's the position you ideally want to get in as you run. And it just gives a more natural fluid way of running.
1: So There's obviously a lot of stuff about, about things like knees and foot strike and all of that. And of course, that's really, really important and, and a great thing to focus on. But for myself, I think if I can concentrate on running tall and and driving with my arms, then the knees will follow. I mean, it's that thing, isn't it? That the arms are kind of the pistons that drive your legs. If you get your arms right, your legs will go. Yeah. You know, if you. It's, so, so, so for me, trying to trying to trying to focus, and quite a lot of the sort of drills that we've done are, uh, are literally just focus on your arms. And once you can get that arms and upper body right. Again, I'm doing all that mime thing. Nobody can see this. Uh, when if you get your upper body right, the legs will kind of follow. Yeah. So High hips is something people say quite a lot as well, hip, which is yeah. that idea of being straight.
0: Mm. So if this thing is, e- is easier said than done, what's typically done, if you like? What are the common problems that you see in people's form um, when, you, when you start to look at them more closely?
2: Looking... The biggest one for me is kind of head down, shoulders down. So people staring at the floor. You'll see people when they're out running all the time, staring down at the floor constantly. Now you have to, to a certain element, look at the floor to see you're not going to trip over a curb. You're not going to, you know, stand in some dog poo or something. Mm. But ideally you still need your head up, glance down at the floor, but people will always look down, which immediately hunches your shoulders forward, which immediately impacts on your chest and your breathing. right. that's kind of the biggest one I see. Mm. Arms. Me and Graham both have a bit of a thing about arms. There are there are some people whose arms are just flaying all over yeah. the place. Um,
1: <laughs> some people who just don't even use their arms. The kind of the. Kind of the it. It's the, the thing about when you're getting tired, isn't it? I mean, if you if you do your first 200 or, your first, or or you're doing lots of reps, you're doing your 400. The first bit's okay. It's what's happening at the end. And when you're tired, it's it's when that bend starts at the waist and you, and your torso starts to lean forward a little bit. Yeah. So you kind of, you know, your legs are vertical, but your head's quite a way forward from your hips and you're and you're sort of running on a slant. And the, and the other one would be um, and listen, listen, these are all happened to me. I mean I'm yeah. it's not criticizing it's criticizing me. The Tyrannosaurus Rex run, you know, with the little arms. Yeah. I'm a bit like the little arms are just going, they're just going like that. Yeah. again if go, you yeah know, just they're not they're not moving and and I know that when I'm tired my arms pack in uh, and so again one of the one of the things that if I do try and concentrate on a, on a run it's always the arms just to try and keep them going
0: yeah. What about cadence I mean again these are these are phrases I'm bandying about like I know what they are I vaguely know what it is because the, your garmin measures it but I've never yeah. and I suppose it's part of a wider question which is, if your biomechanics are the way they are and you run that way, does tinkering with that, uh, you know, with the aim of trying to, as Simon says, everything flows a bit better, does that introduce something that's unnatural and therefore possibly gives you an injury? Because I suppose, I'll be honest, I've always worried a bit about tam- tampering with my biomechanics too much because I wonder I might create more problems than I solve. So is that a genuine tension or is it a
2: bit of a myth no it, it's a genuine thing mark um i think in the job i do as well obviously i see people with a lot of injuries it's mm. it's part of the job one of the biggest things that happened a few years ago um probably when you know when the book born to run came out by christopher mcdougall i think and born to run is all about running barefoot running or mm. minimal minimal running it's all about this a try tribe mexico i think it is who run in either barefoot or with these sandals made out of old tires and around that time everybody wanted to run barefoot and everybody wanted to run in minimal shoes and started eating chia seeds and thought they were going to become fabulous runners and all that happened is everybody ended up with Really bad calves and shins, and calf tears and strains, and all the rest of the Achilles, and oh, strangely plantar fasciitis because they're all running in bare feet. Yeah. So, yeah, if you change something and you desperately try, you know, a good example is people wanting to run midfoot instead of heel striking.
0: Mm.
2: So, people will overnight suddenly get up onto their midfoot, you will get injured. You can't go out on Sunday and run a 10 miler suddenly going from a heel striker to a midfoot striker. Yeah. So yes, biomechanically if you change something major, there's going to be a an impact of that. But as Graham says, if you change something like your arms or your head position or just lift your body slightly, mm. everything will just I suppose more naturally fall in line with it. Yeah, um, I've been working on running taller, the same as Graham has and my foot strike has changed. It's gone from being a heel strike to more of kind of a flatter sort of tripod strike, which is when the foot's flatter on the ground. Mm. Um, that's just a natural way that my body's reacted to it. And it's working for me, no problem. I know if I tried to run midfoot, I'd end up with major calf problems. So yeah. it's not something I would ever even attempt. It's
1: not wrong in saying that there's kind of... If, if you want to increase your speed, you've more or less got say on an 800 or, or a k you've more or less got two ways of doing it one is to increase your cadence or the other one is to increase your stride
0: mm.
1: now it strikes it strikes me that increasing your cadence not necessarily the way you thought that's but increasing your cadence is is one that's the easier of the two and two it's the one that's less likely for you to get injured that's interesting because rather than overstriding and, and, and doing your hamstring or your glutes and whatnot and so uh, and and obviously you know i've read about this and you see other people running but right to increase cadence if you can increase your arm drive increase your arm drive and increase your arm speed your cadence will follow uh so you know there's 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 plenty of people we could could identify who are have incredibly fast cadence but not not a particularly long stride Mm. and they're fast runners and it's Mm. you know so I, i believe again this you kind of read stuff and this that and the other I think the, the cadence of the races is about 180 a minute is what they're going for isn't it um, you know um, but if you can get if you can get your cadence up through driving your arms rather than fiddling around with your feet and in the first instance obviously there's loads of technical stuff but I think you would people would need us included to 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 have somebody helping with them because it says if you try and change it yourself and change from a heel strike to a front strike or whatever um, you know you you. you there's a knock on your achilles then there's a knock on your calf then there's a knock on your hip you know it's all it's in the words of the song and it? it's all connected um
0: yeah i mean one of the things that i mean simon talked a bit before about yeah fads so the idea of you know, to adjust your arms as you said graham is, is sounds like a reasonable quite a proportionate thing to do it's not an overhaul uh, but these fads around barefoot running and these Vibram, these five thing, these toe shoes, you know, they're like gloves on your feet. I've seen foul runners with those. I mean, I just wonder what the hell's going on. And they, they feel like they went through a phase, cheer seeds or otherwise. Uh, and there might be some residual hangers on, but that fad seems to have gone. But one thing that I've noticed and genuinely interested in your view on this, just, just selfishly, is in ultra running, off-road running, particularly the the drive to zero drop, has really accelerated over the recent years. So that's not zero cushion. You might have quite a thick. I'm miming now, quite a thick cushion, but it's perfectly straight. There's no drop from heel to toe, uh, and apparently that's more efficient over very long distances. And I decided I'd give it a go. I'd try them. So I bought some. Um, I've got. My, my, my normal long-distance shoes have got five mil drop, not huge. And then I bought these Trail Ultras, these Innovate things, um, which have zero drop, but lots of, lots of cushioning. And I ran 100 miles in them thinking they were amazing. Like, you know, and I did five, roughly five or six long, long-ish runs in them. And then um, all off-road. And there was one particular route I did where uh, I, I had to do about eight miles on the road to get back to my van. And tore my calf with about half a mile to go because I'd been, I, I didn't even think about the road section when I was choosing my shoes. And I would had no issues at all off-road with these zero drops because I hadn't been hammering it. Just slow, steady, lots of mixed ground. As soon as I ran eight miles back on the tarmac, having done 12 to get out. So I was, you know, I was nearly back at the van and my left calf just, this was two or three years ago now. And I couldn't believe it. I was fuming with myself, and I'm I'm convinced that was probably the reason. Um, because obviously, your 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 ankle's just that bit lower than it might be. It's pulling on your calf that bit more, and, and on tarmac, it's just asking for it. Really, I mean, is that something you've seen a lot of this sort of zero drop phenomena or this like, this just this, 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 this these fads?
2: I think a few years ago, I, I saw quite a bit of it, and there was quite a people at were quite a lot of people at the club really starting to get into it. So uh, minimal shoes as well, the minimalist like the ones you just mentioned, the vibram, the the toe. Yeah Five fingers were they called, I think? Yeah, something like that. yeah. And I remember doing the brass monkey probably seven, eight years ago, and there was a guy at the start line stood next to me in what were essentially flip-flops. Um, I was doing a half marathon in them, and yeah. it was really popular for a while. And it was there was a lot of talk, and I think it all came from from that book, Born to Run, where people were kind of talking about it and saying, "You know, we, you know, we weren't designed to wear shoes. It's not a natural thing for humans to wear shoes. We should be doing everything barefoot." Obviously, that, that was a long time ago, and evolution <laughs> changes, and we've worn shoes for a very well, very long thing, time, in it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so by Panically, we have changed to need to wear shoes. There was also a bit, I mean, if you start reading up about this and I do read an awful lot of running, they blame kind of Nike shoes in the seventies for, for changing the way shoes are made and that they, they put more and more cushioning in them and then the, the air shoes came out and, you know, there's a lot of talk and a lot of studies saying pre all of the trainers having loads and loads of cushioning in there was less injuries. Um, equally, there wasn't as many people running uh, the people who tended to run were all runners club runners yeah it's a lot more of a
0: simple as
2: amateur all that. sport now people do it to keep fit so we're all different but yeah i mean the fads have always been there they've always come and gone and they
0: always will hey i, th- I thought getting a pair of night trainers with a little see-through bit in the sole was the coolest thing in the world you know because they were i mean how amazing yes. is that it wasn't even a runner so God, yeah, I was buying running shoes and yeah, I'd never even contemplated running because
1: they look cool. But yeah, I'm i suppose easy with this though, because cause I've those are I have so many niggles that um once I've once I've sat found a pair of shoes that work, I mean that's it. I have I have one type of shoe. I know this is this is not the done thing in the club. I realise this, <laughs> uh, but I have I have one kind of shoe, and that's what I run. And, oh, I've got a cross-country shoe and, and and stuff, and I might even have a trail shoe. But apart from that, I have one kind of shoe. And it, it, I see all these shoes come out, and and um, I won't name the brand, but the cheat shoes. I'd love a pair of cheat shoes, but I know that it's I won't be awesome. able to run for about yeah. I
0: won't, I won't be just, able
1: to run for about three weeks after wearing them because they would just they would just kill me. And yeah. so. Um, so some people will remember the time with me about three years ago where I had shoes with the heel cut off. I'd got myself a bread knife and I'd sawed them out. <laughs> and I had my own specially adopted shoe to try and re- release the tension on the Achilles. And i would be running around the track. Um, and the shoe would fly off because I didn't have enough on the heel, <laughs> stuff like that. So I finally found a shoe, which is kind of mid range. Um, and you know, those graphs you see of the faster shoes and the slower shoes, it's somewhere in the middle. And, it's not particularly light, and it's not particularly this, it's not particularly that, but it's the only shoe that I don't seem to get injured in. So it's that—that's my shoe.
0: Awesome. And
1: and and I think uh, obviously there's advantages to wearing different shoes, and the, and there's there's in terms of speed, and there's different shoes for different surfaces, and there's your race shoes and your racing flats and all this, but um, there's also the which shoe is not going to kill us, and which shoe am I not going to get injured in yeah <laughs> and there was a lot of experiment i had horrible years trying to find the right one and now i've got one that seems to work and it's not a particularly fast shoe
0: yeah.
1: uh, but it kind of doesn't and, and and so I'm, a th- I'm i come from the other direction there's there's you know I've, we've all seen the pictures of people with 30 pairs of shoes in the garage i won't name the names but we all know who we're talking about here but I'm, I'm kind of not like that. I've got one pair of shoes and, and they're filthy at the minute because I went through the Dean yesterday, but I'll be wearing them tomorrow on the pavement.
0: Yeah. Um, and, and those cheat shoes, I, I, I saw a reference. I had to double check. I thought it was what I thought it was, those ones with the carbon fibre in. I mean, are they... That's giving we should
1: t- clarify it, shouldn't we? People can't see our jest, but we should put cheat shoes in inverted commas. I'm waving my fingers around now. Cheat yeah. shoes.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well... <laughs> They Are they simply going to propel whatever form you have faster or will they change your form? So I always wondered about That's a good that. question. Would they, yeah. would they injure you? Or they, were they going to introduce another variable which is going to screw something over? Or is it just a better version of what you were doing anyway, just a more sp- spring, gear, a spring gear run, which does feel like a bit of a cheat, if I'm honest, but it is what it is. Yeah. It's probably going to have bit. to do
1: another podcast, Mark, and get those people in who are running them. <laughs>
0: yeah, I suppose we are, saying- yeah. Ten people.
2: I think um, if you watch a lot of the reviews of the shoes, they, they they come in kind of two camps. From what I've what I've read up on them, there's the ones I think the Nike ones. Um, oh, a couple of others that, that have a very high stack, so they're quite soft when you wear them. So when you're up at speed they're fine but if you run at any slower speed up I believe that the cushioning is very very soft now I have tried a pair out there was a new balance pair that I tried mm. which were like that and I couldn't get away with them I've, yeah. I've borrowed a pair off somebody and I wore them two times to run down to the beach and came back home and I just they were not for me they were so soft
0: yeah
2: would they just amplify your own running style I suppose? I think there's a couple of the pairs that are designed to, to force you to land and roll onto your toes they have like um, a curved sole on them mm-hmm. uh, they're designing you to run in a specific way you know i, I mean great i mean, i know a few people that wear them that wear the nike ones that wear the Siccone ones i've seen a couple of guys out in the new balance ones i don't know i mean it's a whole other podcast isn't it about cheat shoes yeah. and, and Opinions on cheat shoes. I don't have an issue with them at all. I think yeah. it's a natural progression of uh, technology in shoes, in the same way that if you jump back to the 1950s, everybody was running around in plimsolls.
0: plimsolls yeah. Well, in it, 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 it brings to mind something Steph said in the in podcast where she said in triathlon, it's been like that for years. There's been yeah. mm. equipment based advantages that have been forging ahead, particularly of it in the cycling leg, but also with wetsuits, mm. uh, with various combinations of buoyancy um i mean i'm we're looking to get an in another wetsuit at the minute and i geez, i had no idea you're like a bit of the wetsuit is more buoyant than another bit of the wetsuit yeah. so and it's still just a, like a mosaic of different buoyancies and thicknesses of this material it's astonishingly um intricate and that's what steph's point was well that's been around for such a long time in triathlon so the fact the fact that it extends to shoes is is, is just kind of you know, where have you been? It's been like this for years. So I, that's why I don't have a problem with it either. I think it's just one of those one of those things that inevitably it's gonna happen. I mean, if they had, um, you know, as long as it's still under your own power, I think that's where you draw the line. It's like recycling, not gonna have these little motors and all that kind of stuff. That's, it's not that. Um, I mean, one of the things about that, and I think you alluded to it before, and again, something Steph said, she was saying with these really expensive bikes, and forget i think i heard her say get this right you have to go at a certain speed before you're actually getting the advantage of, of the yeah. otherwise it's just a waste of money and you yeah. wonder whether or not the shoes are like that that you need to start leathering it a bit before you um uh feel the feel the benefit of them otherwise biomechanically they're, they're screwing you over so if you're jogging down to the seafront might well be that that's not what they <laughs> you have to run down in a normal pair and then when you pick it up change your shoes and <laughs> go do your efforts but it, it's, it's an interesting one and we were interested to see it, and you'll know this simon what whether that the, the type and frequency of injuries that you see changes when, with the advent of this technology
2: and i think it's an interesting point as well that the shoes they're obviously designed with elite athletes in mind so yeah. one person's racing pace is not somebody else's racing pace. So for example let's say you run a 5k at 6 minute miles. Well you might jog down to the park run at 9 minute miles. Somebody else wearing the same shoes doing a park run flat out is doing it flat out at 10 minute miles. Yeah. So they're jogging down to the park run pace is 15 minute miles. Can the shoe benefit both of those people equally? I don't really know. I don't know enough about them to be honest. I haven't I've, I've watched the odds Podcast, and blog, and read read up on them, but yeah. I don't know enough about them. I don't have an issue, as I say, I don't have any issue. I, I personally see it as technology just advancing. Um, I suppose is it is it a bit of a placebo effect if you put them on, you naturally think you're running faster.
0: Yeah, Gross. so much of it's in your head, isn't it? So yeah, but bringing it back yeah. to form because I know this is an extension of that. But and we talked a bit about you know people sent photographs in of their of their various form, me included. My, my bloody ankles, you know, my, I tend to do a little bit of a Charleston when I'm tired. Um, and that was quite a long way. In, that photograph's about 15 miles into a run. Um, the, I, I personally find that, yeah, my legs start splaying around all over the place. And I hunch, I really hunch over. And I can see, and I remind myself, I'm up again, you know. But uh, what other things do you, do you often see? So you've seen the hunches, you've seen the Tyrannosaurus Rexes. Um, what, what are the other sorts of things that, that you if see? You
1: put it the other way, if you put it the other way around, I'm scanning down that, that whole list of photographs now, yeah. and you can kind of see the, the runners. It's the uprightness. So going, we, we kind of talked about trying to think tall and, and relax your shoulders. But a lot of it's about the core. Right. You can kind of, you know, it's the, it's in the in the end, if you can have a strong core, then that'll sustain you when you're tired. It'll push you up a bit, you know. It's the yeah. core carrying carrying carries your top half, doesn't it? Yeah. So you can see three or four pictures of people who are bombing along, and you can just see their upper bodies like yeah. <laughs> doing it again. Their upper body's vertical. And it's not just because they're relaxing the shoulders and, and thinking tall. It's just because, you know, they've got, got a six-pack underneath the vest, I assume. Um, and 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 it's that, isn't it? And, and that kind of leads on to what happens outside of running. Uh, what do you do on those other days? Yeah. <laughs> so what, what I like for myself, what I like about focusing on trying to run tall and running on arms, it's something that I can really think about when I'm doing an easy run. Yeah. I, if, yeah. If I'm doing a slow run or an easy run, I can still think, okay, are my arms still pushing backwards and coming up rather than being a, a T-Rex? Yeah. Um, am I still running tall? And I kind of like all that upper body stuff on a slow run because it gives me something to think about really. But then on the on the kind of days when I'm not running, it's what else do I need to do? Um, or what else can I do to, to sort of help with that? And I guess it's it's all that core work, isn't it?
0: Is it is some people me, it, it reminds me of something Simon said in the first one of these, where uh, we talked about A B and C races, and you said you'd use your C races, you'd have a particular purpose in mind, and it wasn't to set up E B, but very ostensibly not to. And it you I think you said something like you could either run a negative split or you could work on your form. If you're doing mm. that in a race environment, you are going to be working quite hard, but if you're not you're not eyeballs out because you use a C race. It's a really good, I think that's something I might do, actually. Just think, okay, I'm going to run this race really kind of upright and just just really focus on it and see how it goes. Because when, you, when you're focusing on your watch or your pace or that polyvester head that you're hoping you might catch or whatever it might be, full, it's a bit, like, um, a bit like swimming. You start focusing on one bit of your stroke and then you realise your legs are stopped kicking. So you start kicking your legs and you realise your arms are all over the place. And it's really hard to get it all right. Um, I, it, I think practicing, having really like whether it's a tempo session or a race, where you say right, this is going to be a form day, probably is been really mm-hmm. disciplined to put in your in your. I'd never thought of doing it, but it, I, I think I'm, I'm minded to because I guess it's like anything, it's practice, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I
1: mean,
2: go on, sorry. As Graham was just saying there, doing it on easier days, <laughs> your runs is is to me. The real key with this um even give yourself kind of a little mantra to sort of repeat to yourself so whether that is run tall or run loose or arms and just repeat something to yourself but doing it on like your Sunday run is a really good time to do it mm. um we do club sessions whenever we do hill sessions I always work on my form on hills so mm. i i never get involved in the sprint to the top of a hill everybody gets to the top of the hill quicker than me because i'm trying to work on keeping upright and trying to work on my form because i'm not particularly great on running up hills i tend to stoop my shoulders forward Mm. Uh, whenever we do a hill session i work on hill form get to the top and then try and get back into into a decent form but picking one thing to me i think graham said right at the beginning is is the key Mm. um looking at i just um just scanning down through these photographs as well that people sent in and mm. most of them just show <laughs> really bad upper body form more than anything yeah. i think the rounded shoulders the clenched fist the, yeah. the the hand right up at the chin um my my favorite and i have to name names is uh is michael parkinson's right up at the front there <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great nah, this one's looking miserable man i've ever seen <laughs>
1: an yeah. outstanding. Yeah. It? No offense, Michael, but I'm not even sure you're running there. <laughs> 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 Mind no. you, some of my terrible. But no, it's so, I mean, what was interesting, I mean, we, we've got obviously in in with our group, but every group's got them hill sessions. And we've had quite a lot of hill sessions over the last year and a half, which are you know, a loop which involves going across the tops fast as you come off the hills. And uh, what we've been working on there is that idea is you come up a hill. You're dead at the top, but then you push, which is quite, you know, it's its quite a everything in a race. If you think of the north uh, Tyneside 10K, you come up the bank towards the Gibraltar Rock and everybody's dead at the top and you can make lots of ground in that for the next 500 metres. So we've been doing that a lot. But this last week we had probably our, our most straightforward session ever on hills that people have gone to, which was to find a hill and run up it 10 times and then walk down and run up it again. And I have to say that compared to the ones that we've done which have really been about um, the push at the top of the hill and the endurance. In terms of focusing on my form, the run up 10... 10 it was 10, where was I? I was the uh, top end of Long Sands. It was just really good for my form. Partly because there were sprinters there who were looking at us and prepared <laughs> to slag us off if I got it wrong. Yeah. But but it, it gave me something to focus on. And after each one, the walk down was like, okay, how was that? Yeah. And then go again, and still focus on that uprightness. And I think that was probably for me uh, the, the the session that I've most focused on form, and I've been, mo- you know, I was dead at the end of it. And I'm not saying I was great for the for the last couple, but it was the it was the it was definitely the session that I've most focused on form yeah. uh, on a Tuesday or a Thursday, just because it was, you know, ten 150 meter sprints, and that was it. Yeah, and and there's
0: something about if. The your hill, the hills. You know, you you form's bad on a hill, and it's gonna really really slow you down. I mean, there's something about, okay, I might be knackered, but if I if I can just get my form right, it will it will help. And I mean, I, I find that if I run in i running, if it's a shortish climb, I mean, the really monster climbs, you're saying you're walking, you. But if you think that's runnable, that you tend to back off, you tend to, and I I think you you back right off, but you keep running and you shorten your stride and you're on your toes. And there's something really satisfying about hold, just holding that until you get to the top of a climb if, that you weren't even sure you were going to make without walking, particularly back end of a race. And it's always, I always feel really good when I'm running on my toes. I tend to land on my toes anyway, but on a, on a climb, there's something, um, it just feels like there's less of you touching the ground. There's a lot more you can go wrong if you don't focus on it a bit. And it's just a nice thing to do. I did a hill session today, but I did it easy hills. I would do easy hills on a Monday and just found myself, I felt quite, I was thinking about tonight thinking, oh, my form, my work on it. And I felt like I was running faster than I was, which is quite nice. Just felt a bit more enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, I, I certainly say what you, hear what you're saying, Graeme, you do hill sessions, that's the form bit. Just I think it's just more, it's, it's more relevant. If it just pops in your head. If you're out doing, you know, kilometer reps, to a, and you're trying to hit a time I think you just kind of bodge your way over the line with those as certainly I do i certainly not thinking about form as much but I like the idea of having a session in your week which is a form session and never you know really deliberately doing that it might be something that might give a go and sadly that's all we managed to record we did talk for another 10-15 minutes but Something's happened. I don't know what, and we've lost the back end of the recording. So I'm very sorry, to, particularly to Graham and Simon, who gave up their time and had more pearls of wisdom. Um, but what we did say in the bit that I did manage to record is that we're going to focus, have a session on strength and conditioning, which seems to flow quite naturally from discussions around form. Um, so we'll get we'll get our heads together. And come up with a session around um, a podcast to talk about strength and conditioning, possibly with some more input from those that know a bit more about it than us. So I'm very sorry that we lost a bit of the recording. Like I said, I'm still I'm still figuring out all of this stuff, and um, sorry, Graham. Sorry, Simon. We've, we we managed to miss what I thought was a really nice end to the conversation. Although, although saying that, <laughs> we did start get start getting onto how old and decrepit we were. So maybe a blessing in disguise. Anyway, take care, everyone.